All right. Certainly one of the more political fights of the year to the nth degree. A big ruling yesterday. State judge uh, stated the full uh, state senate has to vote on a on a governor's nominee. Nominees. Judicial, we're talking about here. Not just a committee. Here to discuss. The man at the center of it all, as far as the suit and everything, uh, his name is Anthony Palumbo. He happens to be the representative of the first uh, senatorial district, and we welcome him. Senator, good to have you here. Very, very important ruling that came down here, my friend. Talk to me. Well, thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me again. Good to hear from you, my friend. Good to be back. And, um, yeah, that was, you know, it, it, it was an interesting intellectual position to take because, um, as you know, our Judiciary Committee, I'm the, I'm the ranking Republican on the, Republican on the Judiciary Committee, and um, we held a hearing, had a vote, and the nominee, the governor's nominee for chief judge of our highest court, uh, the Court of Appeal, um, was defeated, so to speak, according to, to um, my Democrat colleague, 10-9. And my position was that the committee provides what's called advice and consent, and you can recommend or not recommend the nominee, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't go to a full Senate vote. And under our law in New York and uh, under our Constitution, um, you have the, the uh, committee vote, whatever it may be, and then you have a, the actual Senate votes to confirm or not to confirm a judicial nominee. So um, the uh, Democrats in, in the Senate said, no, it's not supposed to go to a floor vote. I disagreed. My conference disagreed, so I filed suit. But a week and a half ago, and um, we said we filed what's basically called a declaratory judgment action, where we say, "Judge, here's the law. Here are the facts. Just tell us what the answer is." Um, and fortunately, yesterday, Judge Thomas Whalen in Suffolk County Supreme Court um, ruled in our favor and said that no, um, a judicial nominee must go to the floor and have a full floor vote. Um, so I, I'm, I expect that's going to be appealed, but for now, um, they agree with me, and so the judicial the judiciary committee does not decide uh, whether or not a judicial nominee gets confirmed. It's the entire Senate, which is what I think was the answer um, from day one. And unfortunately, my colleagues disagree. And the interesting. And, and kind of cute note about this, Jay, is that prior to the, the vote on the nominee, Hector LaSalle, who's a Suffolk County guy, who's the presiding judge in one of our intermediate appellate courts, um, and an extremely capable, qualified nominee, um, they voted him down because he's just a plain old liberal Democrat, and unfortunately, they want uh, activist judges who are, you know, completely off the wall. But that, that's neither here nor there. But right before, about a week before, a week or so before the the vote, they packed the committee with three more Democrats and one more Republican, which is actually contrary to our rules as well, because it's supposed to be, um, the membership of the committee is supposed to be 
comparable to the entire body, which is two to one, not three to one, because they have a supermajority. There are 42 Democrats and 21 Republicans, but they overpacked the committee with all three Democrats that had previously said they were going to vote against Hector LaSalle publicly before they even had a vote without even speaking to the guy. And, uh, you know, they, they, they packed the committee and they voted him down by one vote. So I'm just glad that the court saw it our way because otherwise they manipulated the, the body and the individual members of the committee in such a fashion that, uh, you know, it's clearly wrong. And they did so, um, claiming that the committee would control. So the dynamic is that, uh, you know, they would be able to do that at any given time and even make the membership, you know, two Democrats and one Republican actually would have worked to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, they, they could get their way in committee and not have the full Senate vote. Uh, you know, we're talking with State Senator Anthony Palumbo. Uh, it, it to me, the stench of this whole thing makes me sick, and it makes me sick because it's a corruptive practice that the majority leader tried to pull out here. That's what really has my mindset in the gear of. There's no relief as far as the common sense factor anymore, you know? That's what you kind of get out of this. Because an individual like Hector LaSalle did not align himself with the ideology of an injury to a cousins and company. That's what alarms me. That is what is the very heart of society of why we have failed. We have failed as a nation because we don't have common sense ideas anymore, you know? And it's a trickle-down effect, Senator Palumbo. It's a trickle-down effect as far as how states govern, as in the case of New York, and what you're going through. And even to the point of the localities right here on Long Island. We've lost our way. Andrea Stewart-Cousins, with what she did, calling a vote of the full Senate last Wednesday, thus the nomination getting defeated 39-20. to It's unbelievable. And it's the first time, by the way, in state history, the Senate rejected a governor's judicial nominee. It's just an awful feeling I have had. And I just wonder, what's next? What's next? I mean, it's not going to change the fortunes of LaSalle, but in essence, it was a good fight, no question. And by the way, I'm hoping this lawsuit continues in some sort of way based on future standoffs from a procedural standpoint. No? Well, you're exactly right, and and that's and that's really the nuance that you know for the listeners that don't understand what actually happened here with this particular nominee is after we filed suit, they clearly were and they were puffing their chest out, sticking their chest out, saying 
you know what, we can do whatever we want. We have our own internal rules. And if we want to reject the nominee in committee, so be it. We can manipulate the committee, as I just mentioned earlier, and we can do whatever we want because we're in the majority and it's just plain old too bad. And that's the reason why we sued, because we need a check and balance because the only check and balance on this type of unconstitutional, outrageous conduct is a lawsuit. So when you think about what they were doing, and let, let me remind everyone that about, what, what was it, seven, six, seven months ago, we had redistricting. Every 10 years, we redistrict based upon the census. We say, you know what, the population has changed. We lost actually a congressional seat. We lost about a million people in New York net, and people moved around the state. So in certain areas, like my area, the five eastern towns of Suffolk County, and now my district goes to, to all the way to Stony Brook University from Montauk and Orient Point, my district actually increased in population. Many people during the pandemic from the city moved out. They're here full time now. So we do a census and we reorganize the lines of our Senate districts. And they did so with the congressional districts as well. They gerrymandered so outrageously that we have a court of appeals now. There's only six of them, but there were seven of them, all appointed by Democrat Governor Andrew Cuomo and others. And all of those Democrat appointees were so outraged by the lines that were drawn by the Democrats in the Senate um, because they were so obviously gerrymandered, they threw them out. And they went bananas. The Democrats in the Senate particularly, because they had the congressional map and the Senate map pen, so to speak, to draw those lines, they went nuts. They were outraged that the court threw it out. Four to three, by the way. It barely got through. Um, or it was barely voted down. And this is the payback. Because they want a court that's not going to follow the law. They want a court that's an ideological um, you know, activist group. So they'd rather have some crazy, you know, outrageously liberal, rich law professor than someone like Hector LaSalle, who just simply follows the law, who, by the way, was the first Latino in the history of the state to get the nomination for chief judge. Um, unfortunately, you know, that had nothing to do, you know, the, the identity politics Democrats who always have to talk about, you know, someone's ethnic background, because that seems to have, you know, tremendous importance over merit in many situations. And now we have a guy who just happens to be, you know, Latin American, but is an outstanding, extremely qualified judge who is the best person for the job they still vote against him. So I, I give you this long, you know, comment because the last line of defense, Jay, is the court system. The courts are the check and balance to say, you know what, I, this is outrageous. Um, you guys, you're, you're acting completely outside the authority of the body of the Senate and you're acting unconstitutionally. They want to change that because they're sick of losing in court. They don't want judges who just call balls and strikes. They want judges 
who will ideologically always take their side. And that's the reason why they voted down someone like Hector LaSalle, because this is something that, is, you know, creates or is an is oversight on this type of conduct. And now that, um, you know, they have a supermajority in the Senate, they have a supermajority in the Assembly, and they have a Democrat governor, they want to call, you know, they want, they want to change the rules of the game, so to speak. And um, thank goodness Judge Whalen saw that's what they were doing and, you know, threw out their, this, this particular conduct. So now if this decision stands after appeal, this will create a very specific protocol that no matter who the governor appoints, no matter what the Judiciary Committee says, it goes to a full Senate vote, up or down. Yes or no, that's what we believe the Constitution always said. And, uh, you know, that was great that, the, that at least the court were able to smack them down and let them know that uh, what they were doing was wrong. And forever now, again, assuming this, this decision stands, we'll have um, a very clear picture of how these things are going to go forward from now on. Um, and they can't get cute and stack the committee, um, you know, pack the court, so to speak, and, and um, you know, change the outcome to, for their own particular political needs. And what's always Saturday night below it. It's always, a, to me, it's always an impeachable offense. I'm sorry. Well, what Stuart Cousins did here. Because, you know, and by the way, let's throw in that other genius, Mike Gennaris, right? We love, we love Gennaris. This was the same guy, ladies and gentlemen, who accused critics of the bail stuff. Remember, Senator Fearmongering? Uh, I have it written down. I always have a quote written down from the genius himself out of Queens uh, with almost no data and just anecdotal stories, really. I wonder what he says now. Um, but in essence, it's almost that type of offense of what Stuart Cousins tried to do. You know, this blind side that, you know, Constitution allows us to make our own rules. This is what she insisted. I mean, she did not want to go to the courts here to the suit filed by you. It would have done just that. So what she did was she did a blind side. She pivoted to calling the nomination this, what did she call it? Uh, some sort of a distraction, whatever it was. Um, and yeah. a wedge issue to distract from other pressing matters. That's what it was. As she tried to rush this vote with really, when you think about it, Senator Palumbo, there was no notice, meaningful notice, you know? And she clearly does not give a rat's you-know-what with all the protests about rights of the Senate and everything else. She doesn't give a darn regarding that of her own membership. Doesn't. I mean, it's unbelievable when you think about it. But that's what it's all about. This is a good man. This You read about this Hector LaSalle. He's a good man. And as you say, would have been the first Latino chief judge. He would have been there. I mean, it's unbelievable what occurred here. Uh, but that's what I think of this move by Stuart Cousins, you know. I, I, it's disgraceful. It's beyond disgraceful. And you know what? It, it is all about political power. And they could care less, as you said, um, about, you know, the protocol and, you know, rules of order. Think about this. 
and this is what is so ironic and outrageous, is that when you look at Judge Whalen's decision, when he specifically says that what they did um, by way of you know, refusing to bring the nomination to the floor, um, I, and his actual quote was something along the lines of the defendant's actions um, have created their own vote version of a vote nullification. So our, our position was that all of the citizens of the state of New York, by proxy, because we are all elected officials, there are 63 senators, and there's, there are, uh, you know, obviously, there are 150 assembly members, but the Senate is the only group that actually gets to vote on nominations. But the entire state citizenry should have a voice. So not just those of us on the Judiciary Committee. I'm the ranking Republican on the Judiciary Committee. So I kind of run the operations on our side, on that committee. But the entire state gets to decide on who should be on the highest court in a state of 20 million people. That it's the whole Senate, not just this committee of a few of, of a select few senators, and the, the the same party that goes after Republicans pretty much on a daily basis, saying that you know what, you folks are suppressing votes, you're election deniers. You know they've got all these buzzwords that play well on MSNBC. That we are people who you know could care less about the electorate. All we're doing is we're the ones who are the villains when it comes to elections. That we just because we say, you know what, why wouldn't you just ask for a signature um, on an absentee ballot so you can compare it to the signature on record? You don't just mail out absentee ballots to everyone and let them come in electronically or let them come in without something to make sure that the person who signed or, or filled out that ballot is the person who's registered to vote. Very simple stuff. We say something like that, and they go nuts. They say, oh, my gosh, election deniers, suppressing the vote, racist, whatever they come up with. And it turns out the dirty birds are the Democrats because they were trying to not only pack the court, not only restrict the vote, but they were trying to nullify votes when it came to voting for Hector LaSalle. Because I think at the time that they voted him down in committee, we actually had the votes because everyone knew that Hector LaSalle was a great judge, and they knew that these pretend issues that he was anti-union, you know, pro-life, that he was not this activist judge who was going to act outside of the Constitution and make decisions that have nothing to do with the case law and the body of law that exists um, in New York State. They were they were just going to you know do something um, or render decisions that are far beyond our historical precedent and have a political ideology that's progressive, which is all they care about. Um, that was, you know, that, that was a terrible thing. So the voter suppression is, uh, or, or individuals who are suppressing votes um, is coming from the Democrats, which is shameful. And, you know, of course, they'll never admit that or never say that. But that was in the judge's decision that they created their own voter suppression um, by doing this, and shame on them, but you know they'll just walk along as if it never happened, and uh, you know keep their noses in the air 
and arrogantly say that Republicans are the villains and Republicans are the ones that are suppressing votes. So, you know, they, they just have no shame, and it's really disgusting, quite frankly. Uh, talking with Senator Anthony Paloma, you know, it's it's the old inmates running the asylum here, Senator. I don't know where this is coming. It goes, you know, she, I mean, listen, the pick was a good one, but she dropped the ball emphatically, even prior to this, and I'll tell you why. You know, she had a couple of chips, bargaining chips, in my estimation. As we started the year, you know what? You want to give everybody a raise? Good. Here, I'll give you the raise. Here's the deal. I've got Hector LaSalle going here as far as a nominee. Okay, we all on board? Nothing. Nothing of that nature. Let's do the raise and hope for the best. And look what happens now. Kathy Hochul with egg on her face. Okay? And the question is, how does the... You know, I mean, you're humiliated by your own party. You know, this whole thing. Remember the claim about... Wielding, uh, what was the saying she had? Wielding uh, an, an iron fist and a velvet club of some sort of, in that regard uh, in order to get a vote here. And now that has been exposed as complete emptiness here. I mean, really, if, if she's not to get rolled by the progressives, uh, you wonder in, in upcoming negotiations of some sort, I mean, she's got to find a way. To stand tall here. I mean, I don't even know where she goes here. I mean, her next move, in my estimation, if you're her, is to go by the same way. Pick another one. As far as someone down the middle, a former prosecutor, and somewhat in defiance of what just occurred as far as who's running the show here. These demands from the left... Uh, for a nominee, he'll turn the top court into some sort of an activist body. You know, this progressive agenda and everything else, my goodness, you wonder where Hochul's going here. And, well, you know what? And, and the, the really sad aspect of this whole brawl that we've just been through is that you don't have that many Hector LaSalle in the hopper. You don't have in the queue Outstanding judges who, when you think about it, so we, we have, just as an aside, we have four intermediate appellate courts. They're called departments. We have four departments in New York. We've got, you know, a ton of, we've got however many hundreds of trial courts, Supreme Courts on the trial level, county court. They all appeal to the first, second, third, or fourth department. Justice LaSalle presides over the second department in Brooklyn. Is the busiest appellate court, intermediate appellate court in the country. He's reduced the backlog of cases by forty percent since he's been the presiding judge. Um, he is, you know, they're cranking out decisions, thousands of decisions. They're getting through their caseload, and because it's not just as a presiding judge, you're not just the boss who wears this magical black robe and is kind of the leader of the team. They have a ton of administrative duties, personnel, they're dealing with staff, they're dealing with the caseload, they have administrative duties um, that are very significant. So you don't have that many Hector LaSalle that you can choose from to put on our highest court. And that's really the, the status aspect of this. And look, the governor, it was, it was kind of her fight, but for us, we just wanted a decision so that the committee 
wouldn't make the final vote, so to speak, on a Court of Appeals nominee. We wanted to make sure that it would go to the full Senate, because depending on whoever is in office, whether it's a Republican, whether it's Lee Zeldin, or it's Kathy Hochul, um, we need to make sure that these votes go to the full floor vote, because it's so important. Um, as I said, our highest court, and we're, 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 we're larger than like 97% of the countries on the planet as a, as a state with 20 million people. So it's a big deal. There's no doubt about it. And to call it a distraction, as you said, is so disingenuous and ridiculous because we resolved that vote. We had the emergency committee hearing. They knew that we were going to win, so they discharged them to the floor and voted, which made them, basically, they admitted that we were right. So I'm glad the lawsuit went in our direction because that was more flagrant than anything. But they discharged them to the floor. We debated them. We fought over it. We voted. It was four or five hours, tops, from start to finish. That's a distraction. That's our freaking job. You know, and you talk about the raids. We're paid a lot of money to do what we got to do and vote on bills and debate and advise and consent on nominations. You're darn right we, we have plenty of time to debate and vote on a judicial nominee at any given, on any given day. They need to call us back up there for a special session. This is not a distraction. It's our freaking job. So to say something like that is just dishonest um, and quite rude. And lastly, when you say that uh, you know the governor has an egg on her face, that's really not my concern. I think she's trying to be a kinder, kinder, gentler governor than the previous guy, who um, was a notorious bully. But you know this isn't beanbag. This business, you need to be very aggressive. You need to deal with a very tough bunch. Um, in both houses, in the Senate and Assembly, because um, they're not shrinking violets. So you need to not be playing with a velvet glove and with kid gloves. You need to fight, and you need to fight vigorously, and, you know, like like you're an MMA fighter, that this isn't beanbag, as I said. So, um, you know, she needs to keep that in mind going forward, because other, otherwise she'll be run roughshod over, because these folks um, are not faint of heart that this is something that's uh, really kind of a, an ugly business and you need to scrap and be ready to bite someone's ear off if you need to. Well, in, and a final one for me here. So in your estimation, you know, she's got about 120 days. Seven nominees will be brought to her from a panel. And the question is, what kind of selection will she have here? Does she go by way of what was thinking in the Senate regarding Cousins, Janaris, or... Does she go by the route of her original thinking here? Somewhat of a centrist. Where, where does she go? Does she appease? Does she go back to her own thinking? This to me, this to me, will cement her as far as where she goes this year, this next selection, because that will tell the story, in my estimation. Okay? This will tell the story, folks. What do you think? Do you think she goes by way of progressive? You know what? Yeah, that, that's a great question, because when you think this through, um, will she bow down and, and, and let them control the nominating process where she can just basically say, okay, we're friends, everyone. Don't worry. It's like trying to make friends with the bully. When they're pushing you around, 
and they're, you know, stealing your lunch and, you know, putting their thumb in your eye on a daily basis. You don't say, you know what, bully? Um, it's okay. We're all friends, right? No, what you do, and I, I hate to say it, but one thing that didn't happen with the previous administration, having been now in the legislature for 10 years, is that he would never, Andrew Cuomo was never pushed around. And in fact, he was vindictive to the extent that if something like this happened, he would choose a Republican and say, how do you like me now? You want to play games? We can play games. And would choose someone who is a conservative Republican. Because this is retribution. This is payback for the gerrymandering that was thrown out. For the redistricting, they thought they were going to redistrict Republicans into oblivion. And they were going to pick up several congressional seats because of the outrageous line. The one district, Congressional District 3, went from Huntington to Rye, New York. So it went along the water, went from Huntington Village through Nassau, Queens, the Bronx, and Westchester. And they thought that was a good idea. So this is payback because they want a court that's going to rubber stamp their outrageousness. And because of the redistricting, and those maps were thrown out, we had an independent commission that drew the lines fairly in a very, very blue state like New York, which has, think about this, there are more registered independents than Republicans in New York. We have about 22% of the registration is Republican, 23% is independent, and just about 50 is Democrat. And the reason why the Republicans have, in my opinion, the reason why we have control of the House of Representatives in Congress is because of the wins we had in New York, because they finally drew the lines fairly. So this is all retribution. So if the governor wants to be a kinder, gentler governor and get pushed around, then she'll pick a progressive. If she wants to let them know who the actual executive is that won, then she'll pick someone who's conservative and reasonable. And by the way, Hector LaSalle is not, he's reasonable, but he's not a conservative. He's just a plain old Democrat. And I've said this publicly before. He's not a wacko. He's just someone who calls balls and strikes and abides by the law. The guy's been a Democrat from Brentwood his entire life. So it's, you know, shame on them for trying to get us in this situation. But I'm hopeful because there may be more lawsuits down the road, Jay, if they're going to play games like this. But the governor needs to let everybody know that she is the governor and she chooses nominees and to pick someone who's just going to do what they're supposed to do on the Court of Appeals and not be some, you know, crazy liberal law professor, as I said before, um, that's going to, you know, kowtow to the progressive wing of the, of the Democratic Party. And, and uh, you know, we want someone who's going to just do what they're supposed to do, call balls and strikes, and, and move on. If she goes by way of that with another progressive pick, I mean, you talk about whatever respect people have for her, that'll go out the window. That'll go out the window. Listen, the way she handles Long Island, that housing proposal that is preposterous, uh, you know, no regard, no regard as far as the way of life for Long Island is with what she's uh, vying for there. Um, and, and you know what? One final point here. You make a really good one regarding Cuomo. And say what you want about him. With all of what went down, and we know there was plenty of negativity, and rightfully so, he never, never would have bowed down as far as 
the process was concerned. He never would have done that because it, it would have made him, in his mind, it would have made him look weak. He never would betray himself like that. Ever. Say what you want about him. But he would never do that. And this is the accentuating point of Kathy Holcomb. And it it really it really sets a tone, I'll tell you. And that's why I say this selection of hers coming up in play here will be the most important one, one of the more important ones, as far as how this administration goes over the next three years, three and a half years, whatever it is. Uh, and she's going to set the tone. She is going to set the tone. We shall see. We shall yeah, see. I couldn't agree, couldn't agree with you more. Senator, always a pleasure. We'll be watching closely. Uh, you know what? I didn't even get into the old MTA tax. That's a whole other story. We'll have you on next time for that. How's that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, we'll spend an hour on that. Another half an hour. Uh, always good to have you, my friend. Keep up the fight. Thank you. you hey, thanks for having me. It's good to chat with you, my friend. You got it. And I mean it, keeping up the fight. You have That's what it is, folks. It's, you know, you try and govern the right way, and then you get this type of nonsense. It, it, is, it is absolutely ridiculous.